This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Friday, October 29th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, it's the most spookiest time of the year. A sports update with Fintan Cole. Cousin Curtis brings the heat with new live album and a mountain weather forecast. Classic carols claim Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. Those carols are wrong. It's just like a very small town happy moment like for the entire town to come out to just watch kids that aren't theirs parade down the street and their own kids. It's just small town happy fun. Main Street is packed as parents, children, and the average townsperson celebrates the annual Halloween parade, the definition of organized chaos. Some costumes this year lean towards scary. I'm dressed up as a demonic sunflower. I am a dragon. I have black pussy boots, black um, pants, and I have, I made some, I put claws on black gloves. I have horns, a cool dragon mask, and wings. Others are sweet. I am a strawberry, but everybody keeps saying it's a watermelon. I'm a strawberry. I love Halloween because of all the costumes. Stars of the screen are in full force. Taj is dressed up as the pompous Ted Lasso footballer. Jamie Tart. Um, I just wanted to be Jamie Tart because I just love watching the show. Michael Jackson makes an appearance, the Ghostbusters show up, Arthur is the boy who lived. Harry Potter. I have a sweater vest, I have a robe, I have black pants, a white shirt, a, a tie, and shoes. I also have a wand and glasses. In quintessential 2021 fashion, supply chain issues lead to certain costume choices. Cash is dressed up as a whoopee cushion. We got a costume, it wasn't coming till two weeks after, so we got another costume not coming after Halloween, so we just found this in our costume bag and I'm wearing it. The parade is a family affair. My name is Maggie Stevens and I have an eight-month-old daughter, so I had to dress her up and show her off to everybody, which is why I came out. But I come every year because I love seeing all the kids. Although not necessarily a family costume affair. This is the first non-group costume year. Um, why? What was, what was the defining feature of this year to make it non-group? Uh, my daughter's almost five. She's being much more independent. <laughs> Laura Colbert is in her usual tiger onesie. Lance Waring is Puff the Magic Dragon. For Willa? Witch. Family costume or no, the Waring Colbert clan are still in the Halloween spirit. This is the best, one of the best Telluride traditions. What makes it that way? No, maybe because it's off season. It's all locals. Uh, and a handful of tourists who are very excited and surprised. I mean, not as surprised as they are by the naked bike ride, but delightfully G rated surprised. Halloween is truly the most spookiest, wonderful time of the year.
You can't touch this. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. Girls volleyball is coming to a close. On Thursday, the Miners played the Norwood Mavericks. Prior to the game, Telluride High School's Finton Cole spoke with coach Shelby Thomas to gain some insight. He brings us the latest on Sports Update. Have a listen. You can't touch I told you, homeboy. You can't touch this. Yeah, that's how we living and you know. You can't touch this. Look at my eyes, man. This is Finton Cole under Sports Update. Today I'm here with Miss Shelby Thomas, the head coach for the girls' volleyball team. Miss Shelby, how well are the girls doing going further into this year's games? This year has been awesome. We started off a little rough, but we placed second in our league, and we are ranked 25th in the state in the 2A district right now. The volleyball team won their home game against the Dolores Bears by a set score of 3-2. to two. It was a nail-biter, but in the end, Telluride has added another notch on their victory belt. They played against the Dove Creek Bulldogs and won by a set score of 3-2, to two. And they also played against the Nucla Mustangs and won by a set score of 3-1. to one. At the beginning of the season, they had been off to a bad start, but they slowly came back and pretty much sealed the playoff berth as Emery Berry, Ali Tialdi, and Emma Rigetti were some of the shining stars this year. They played the Norwood Mavericks on Thursday. Ms. Shelby, how well do you think the girls are going to play against Norwood since their last defeat in recent victories? I think we're going to do really well. It is senior night tonight, so those seniors are up for their last games and really excited to take it on and finish it with a strong, strong roll. And going to the tournaments, what would you say to your team? The chemistry is everything. Uh, we definitely have the talent to blow every team away, but having that chemistry and being able to work through when we're down and to be able to pull it out is the key to our success to get to state. Has the school won a volleyball championship in its history, or are they an entirely new team? And We've been to regionals for a couple of years. Uh, they've been to state. I'm not sure. I think in last may have been in 2012, but I'm not positive. <laughs> but it's been a while. Boys soccer won to the Caprock Academy Eagles by a score of 11-1 and won to the Crested Butte Titans by a score of 2 to nothing. They notched the playoffs with the number two seed. Crested Butte took the number one seed. Rival Demons took the number three seed, and the Oysters made seed four. Caprock Academy missed the playoffs and will be out of the tournament this season. There has been a lot going on this past week, and the boys are ready for the playoffs against their playoff opponent the next week. That was your sports update for this week. Thank you to Shelby Thomas. I'm Fenton Cole reporting live from Telluride High School, and we'll see you next week. On Thursday, the Telluride Miners beat the Norwood Mavericks 3-0 in their match. Local favorite Cousin Curtis brings audiences to their feet with boot-stomping, high-energy fun. This Sunday, he is releasing a new album, live from the Sherbonneau Courtyard. Cousin Curtis will also be performing at KOTO's Halloween Bash on Saturday. KOTO News sat down with him to learn more about the latest album. We're excited to have you here to talk about your new album that's coming yes. out on Sunday, live yeah. from the Sherbonneau Courtyard. Yeah, that's right, yep. Yeah, the Sherbonneau Courtyard. Trisha Oakland and the rest of the crew there have just done an incredible job with making that space 
a space that people can play, have intimate live shows. And it's just fun to be able to look everybody in the eye that's in front of you and play a venue where, you know, a sold out crowd of 30 or so um, might as well be 300. You know, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. What's it like um, recording an album live, right? Because I imagine when you're in the studio, you can do multiple takes, you can put different tracks down. But when you're recording an album live, like that's it. You got one shot. That is it. And it is... It is really difficult personally because I'm going to go back through and listen. I'll be like, you messed that word up. You played that wrong. This is too fast. This is too slow. The guitar is out of tune. And so for you know years, I've recorded almost every single show live strictly to like listen back through, try to grow, develop based on what was happening then, um, as well as just like a really cool timestamp. So to get back to your question, it's terrifying. Because you can't go back and overdub. It's it's locked in this moment. And so with a show like um, the Sherbino performance, when it came out as well as it did, oh, I was just like, we've got to roll with this. This can't get buried. This can't get thrown underneath the rug somewhere. Wait, so this wasn't, you weren't doing this intentionally to be an album that was going to be released? No. No, we were doing it just because we do that for almost every single show. And then we had a friend, Josh King, he's a local guy here, photographer. He was there taking some video. And we're like, okay, well, maybe we'll have something to like throw a highlight reel together or something for the social media monster, whatever. Um, and then we listened back through it and it was like, oh, there's some, you know, to quote Tom Nading, flashes of brilliance here. And we really, we really wanted to see that um, become something else. That's so amazing. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, I would imagine that when you are creating, oh, this is the list of songs that we're going to do for an album, that probably looks different than this is the list of songs that we're going to do yeah. just for a, a show that we're playing for a, an intimate group of people. Right. How does this album feel different being this was just intended to be a show? Yeah. Honestly, it worked out probably the best way possible, in my opinion, because what ended up, ended up happening is it's essentially like a greatest hits of the last, I don't know, three or four albums worth of studio material, and then a teaser of songs that have not yet been recorded in a studio setting. So, I mean, like My Lover and Me, About Time, these songs I've been playing for a couple of years now. I just haven't had time to get into the studio, to get with the band, to put it all together. Um, but doing it live is great because now it's like, okay, well, it's done and it's on an album. The song's ready to go. So I don't know. It's just, it's just, it, it, it really turned out well. I'm still blown away listening back through it. I'm like, we're really onto something. We got this. This is cool. I'll say y'all are. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, and so the album is coming out on Sunday, on Sunday. but y'all have already released a, a teaser yeah. of Cut from the Same Cloth. Yeah. Yeah. Came to this afternoon. I was hanging upside down. My race car flipped over. I'm smelling fumes all around. Why did you pick that song as the one to? dabble out there you know that one has been a crowd favorite i think it's um a good blend of high energy and a chorus that gets people singing along clapping along um it's one of my favorite tunes just because the story is very real of how that song came to be um i crack the joke uh when i get the chance to tell the story before playing that song but like i I didn't write maybe 90% of that song. Like it was just based on a conversation I had with a total stranger. And I just filled in the blanks and made it rhyme where it needed to. So, I mean, this that song to me is great. But also, listening back through at 2 minutes and 52 seconds, Danny Del Sandro on the banjo just goes off the rails.
it is the most fire thing. And if you listen to the recording, when you listen to the recording, you're going to hear me go, yeah, <laughs> he gets done with one solo. And I look at him, I was like, no, you're not done yet. Keep going. Keep playing, man. You got another four measures. He's just electric on that thing. And uh, having Chris on the bass just really driving forward. I mean, it's a power trio. It feels really, really good. The live performance is amazing, and you are going to be at the Koto Halloween Bash oh, on, yes. on Saturday. So yep. both a teaser for the album release on Sunday, but also what can we expect from the show on Saturday? I think we're going to be pulling out all the stops. Yeah, we uh, we got Warren Gilbreth. He's going to be jumping up on electric guitar. Um, so there's going to be some songs that I've played in Tyrod over the years and some new ones just like it's on the album. And uh, we're so excited to share the night with Joint Point. The costume party is going to be incredible. Um, we are going to be in costumes as well i was just gonna ask oh yeah yeah absolutely and uh i'm not gonna tell you what we're going as <laughs> is, it, is it a group yes. costume yeah yep oh my gosh oh, <laughs> everyone has to come now you yeah, oh, yeah to you gotta them. be there it's just you know you guys and the transfer warehouse have done such an incredible job um throughout you know the entire spring summer and now into the fall of doing cool stuff uh and so it's, it's just always an honor and a pleasure to be a part of it oh well we're excited to have you cousin curtis thank you for coming and chatting and we'll see you on saturday for the koto halloween bash and then everyone will be listening to the live from the chevronel courtyard album on sunday yeah on sunday everybody happy halloween Cousin Curtis's latest album, Live from the Charbonneau Courtyard, is out on Sunday, October 31st. KOTO's Halloween Bash will take place at the Transfer Warehouse on Saturday, October 30th. Doors open at 4 p.m. Music starts at 5. On October 31st, A Jack-O-Lantern is a spooky, whimsical, or heartwarming staple of Halloween. But on November 1st, that Jack-O-Lantern may very well have turned into a pumpkin, and needs to go. The towns of Mountain Village and Telluride are coordinating this year to offer free pumpkin composting. Pumpkins must be free of candles, paint, glitter, stickers, or any other non-compostable elements. Pumpkins are available for compost drop-off at the Gondola Parking Garage in Mountain Village, behind the Village Market, on Monday, November 1st, and Tuesday, November 2nd. It's time to take a deep breath. The wildness of summer is over, elections are around the corner, and winter is coming. Next week, the Wilkinson Public Library will be hosting an evening of sound bath healing and vibrational therapy. The event will be hosted by Brian Dickinson of Sonic Alchemy, a sound therapy organization based in Peonia. He studied sound healing with Grand Gong Master Don Corot and aims to support individuals into feeling at peace and thriving through sound therapy. Participants will need to wear a mask and are encouraged to bring a yoga or sleeping mat, a pillow, blanket, eye covering, and water. Sound healing will take place at the Wilkinson Public Library on Friday, November 5th from 6 to 8 p.m. 
Colorado Attorney General Phil Weiser was in Fort Collins this week, hosting a conversation about resilience in the face of unexpected changes. He highlighted drought as a major risk and said storage and conversation across the state will help communities stay prepared. And so if we have a drought, we're not telling people you can't use water. Same story with electric power, same story with a pandemic and critical supplies like PPE. If we don't build the capacity we need on the front end, we're in a world of hurt on the back end. Weiser commended Greeley's efforts to store water in aquifers and said the future could bring more incentive programs that pay farmers to use less during dry years. He added cybersecurity was another priority for his office, which aims to build capacity when hackers threaten digital infrastructure. For a lot of people in and around Telluride, one of the top issues on their minds is housing. And it's not just an issue for San Miguel County. KOTO has partnered with multiple stations in the Rocky Mountain Community Radio Coalition to report a series of stories looking at economic mobility through housing to understand how the challenge and possible solutions are playing out across the region. Today, we're headed to the front range. Boulder has had a tight housing market for decades, and the pandemic has only further limited affordability and availability. But in a city with strict growth limits, many are looking to add housing in their own backyards, often quite literally. KGNU's Lucy Haggard looks into accessory dwelling units as one way to solve the dual crisis of cost and stock. Ed Levy dreamed of living in Boulder for years, often taking 80-mile round-trip drives to visit the city. When she underwent a few major life changes, she decided it was time to move here. The question then became how to afford living in Boulder, a city notorious for a few housing options and a high cost of living. Around that time, Kurt and Krista Nordback were building an accessory dwelling unit, or ADU, in their North Boulder backyard. One lucky day, with the ADU almost finished, Kurt was standing outside right as Levy drove by. Levy was thrilled. So I found him outside, and I approached him, and one thing led to another, and here I am. With Boulder's limits on both upward and outward growth, adding housing options means filling in the gaps between existing units. Accessory dwelling units can do that, countering the dual crises of housing affordability and availability, while generally following the aesthetics and amenities of the city. As a secondary dwelling unit to a main house, an ADU has all the components of any other residence, including a kitchen, bathroom, and sleeping quarters. ADUs can be attached to the main dwelling, such as in a basement or above a garage, or detached, often in the backyard. The Nordbacks have lived in Boulder on and off their whole life, but Kurt says his family wouldn't be able to move here today given the high cost of living and minimal housing options. We do a pretty good job of of creating deed-restricted, income-qualified affordable housing, and we do a pretty good job of building 4,000-square-foot McMansions, and we don't do a good job of filling in the middle, and we haven't done that for a long time. The size of an ADU can vary in Boulder, with both detached and attached ADUs up to 1,000 square feet, depending on if they are zoned as permanently affordable units or if they are in a historic district. Some people may be skeptical about downsizing from a traditional house to a unit a third of that size. But for many others, the space fits their lifestyle perfectly. Since moving to Boulder in December, 80-year-old Levy spends much of her time out and about, often walking her Bernese mountain dog, Rupert. She came out as queer earlier this year and is enjoying making friends with folks in the area. It's a time of rebirth for her. 
this is the perfect place for me. I go out, I go to events, so I've got a new life. The city of Boulder did loosen some of its ADU regulations in 2018, including allowing more ADUs to be built near one another. There's no clear way to tell the maximum capacity for ADUs in Boulder, but city officials say that there's still more potential to build before most neighborhoods become saturated. Some advocates would like to see even more flexibility in the rules, as well as a faster approval process. But change is happening already. Since 2018, more than 200 ADUs have been built or greenlit for construction, about one-third of which are designated as permanently affordable. For perspective, in the first 35 years ADUs were allowed in Boulder, there were just 231 built. Kurt Nordback thinks Boulder will likely always have some degree of exclusivity, but he says everyday homeowners can make it more affordable and inclusive by choosing to build an ADU. It's a great feeling to know that we're now housing an additional person on our lot who otherwise would not be able to live there. And we have another neighbor, and it's great. The ADU model is also one of the more sustainable and affordable ways for a city like Boulder to innovate its housing options, especially as climate change grows more urgent. That's according to M.L. Robles, a Boulder-based architect who focuses on building ADUs. Both an attached ADU and one that stands separately from the main house can tap into existing utility lines, and a small space like an ADU can be more efficient with its surrounding environment. This can also mean cheaper utility bills for tenants, even those who rent an ADU at market rate. But an ADU can be more than just an eco-friendly box. Oftentimes an ADU looks just like, you know, a condo or an apartment. My goal is, no, these are little houses and you need to have the benefit. You can have a garden. Boulder is leading the charge in ADU development, but other cities have joined the bandwagon too. Nearby in Denver, rezonings of entire neighborhoods may now make it easier for potential ADU owners to get approved to build. And a law just signed in California allows for lots currently zoned as single-family to build up to three more dwelling units on the same land. But the ADU model is not a silver bullet. If the main house's owner chooses to sell, the ADU renter may need to find another place to live if they can't sign a new lease with the next owner. To be sure, no one housing strategy will entirely fix the dual housing crises of affordability and availability that plague Boulder and many other cities. But accessory dwelling units are one tool in the kit that many hope will be more useful in the coming years to ensure Boulder can welcome people from a wide variety of backgrounds, including Levy. No retirement home for me. I have a lot of things to do. I'm considering buying a horse. So there's a a bunch of things on my agenda for the future. For KGNU, I'm Lucy Haggard. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for clear skies tonight with a low around 30 degrees. Saturday should be sunny with a high in the mid-50s. Saturday night expect partly cloudy skies with a low in the mid-30s. Sunday calls for partly sunny skies during the day and partly cloudy skies at night with a high near 55 degrees and a low around freezing. This has been the news for Friday, October 29th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206.